It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jones! Bowden! Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket and our look back at the third day's play from Gaul. A really intriguing battle with England now 339 for nine, just a few behind that Sri Lankan first inning score. And really, Simon, although Test Cricket is supposed to be a team game, actually it's just been Joe Root against Lassith and Buldenia. That's it. It's just one man scoring 50% of the runs and a bowler taking 90% of the wickets. Emil Denny's taken seven, Root scored 186. Of course, what Emil Denny hasn't been able to do is dislodge Joe Root. They must have been absolutely fed up of the sight of Root at the other end uh, throughout the day, throughout the series so far. And would you know it, run out in the last over of the day. Brilliant piece of fielding from the short leg fielder, Ashado Fernando. Root playing a perfectly good shot, clipping it away, and Fernando going to his right and somehow grasping it, and then throwing it onto the stump. So Root on his way. Embledenia, meanwhile, wheeling away at the other end or against the other batsman and causing plenty of problems. He has gone for runs as well. He's gone for over 100 a, a runs, but he's bowled a lot of overs. And he's been you know, really good uh, today on a pitch that you know, has spun but it is quite slow, and Root has been absolutely brilliant. It's been another masterclass. I didn't want to say it on the podcast uh, yesterday, but I I thought it was something inevitable that Root would would make 100. And you also feel when he gets to 100, you think, well, there's every chance you go on to make a double 100. And really, the only thing that, that stopped him today was that brilliant piece of fielding, you know, run out again, and the possibility, I suppose, of having not much support at the other end as the, as the wickets, uh, the batsmen subsided at the other end. Really, really good test match, though. It's set up for a fascinating two days. Mm. I suppose fatigue must have played a part as well for Root, trying to get back into his crease uh, at the end of a very long day, having batted a lot of time in the previous day as well. And just it's a split second, isn't it? The, the, the reaction time, as much as it is the, the bodily movements required to get back into the crease. But still, 186, that's uh, 55% of... 
England's total runs. Joss Butler also contributing a valuable 55. And also, actually, Don Best playing well for 32 as well. So England you know, doing well down the order to get close to that Sri Lankan score. I tell you what, one thing I suppose is really impressive about this route performance, which almost makes it even better than his double hundred in the first test, is following up a double hundred with another colossal score. Because... Mm. There is an inevitable temptation when you go into bat again, having made a double in the first test match, to sort of think, well, it's the same ground, it's the same bowl as I'm facing. Is this going to be okay? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll. But he's actually totally applied himself again, shut out the fact that he made 228 in the first test and got on with the business of constructing an, an innings in this match. And, you know, just following on a, a massive score with a second inning score of this same stature is a is a highly impressive achievement actually um in the later part of this podcast we'll hear from graham gooch about constructing innings on a difficult pitch as well he talks about his brilliant 154 against the west indies in 1991 at headingley which is often dubbed as one of the greatest test innings of all time certainly against a fast attack on a tricky pitch this joe root innings one of the finest performances on a tricky pitch against a spin attack. The other thing as well today from Root, and just statistically, is he's, well, in this innings, he's gone past Jeffrey Boycott, he's gone past Kevin Peterson, and he's gone past David Gower. That's not a bad three to, to knock off in your pursuit of Alistair Cook's 12,472 runs. So Root is now in fourth place in the Hall of Fame, if you like, in the England's leading run scorers over the course of Test cricket, 8,000. 238. He's got his average up to uh, just below 50 again. And he, he's got there in really good time as well. He's got there in his 99th Test match. David Gower, 117 games. Peterson, just a, you know, a few fewer runs, 104. Jeffrey in 108 Test matches. And Alex Stewart is next ahead of him, 8,463. So what he's about 230 away, something like that. Took 133 test matches to get up to 8,463. Although, of course, Alec did have to keep wicket in in some of those games as well. So there was a sort of all-rounder role uh, for Alex Stewart. But fantastic from uh, Joe Root. And you'd you, you back him, wouldn't you, I think, to go past Alistair Cook, to get up to Alistair Cook's 12,472, all things being equal. You know, th- things like fitness as much as anything and and drive determination but he he seems to have it but you know you never know with the demands of international cricket you know it it can wear you down over the years he's been playing international cricket for for nine years but there are some players who can just just keep going can't they just have that sort of utter relish uh, for playing the game and and for batting and and Joe Root seems to be one of those 1900s 49 half centuries and just superb again today Mm. So if you assume that uh, 100 tests by the time he plays in Chennai for his 8,300 runs, say, uh, so that's roughly 83 runs per test match. So how long is it going to take him to get up to Alistair Cook, another 4,100 to go? That You assume that's going to take him about 40 tests or something like that. Uh, and he could play 40 tests in the next say, four years, couldn't he? In fact, <laughs> he play in two year. years at the rate. Yeah, well, there's 18 <laughs> potentially this year. And then, well, it's going to be a bit less the following years. But assuming it takes three or four years to get another 40 tests under his belt, he could be there in 2025. 
Uh, one thing, though, of course, this year, I mean, this in a way, I'm, I mean, I, I know this, this, this is, it's been, you know, batting masterclasses last two innings. Uh, he's played all well, last two test matches. He's played. I mean, there are some there are some tough cricket for for Root to play, and you know because he's the captain as well. He's you know he's going to be under pressure a lot in India as the captain and the main batsman against that very good attack, both you know, pace and spin as well. And then New Zealand, you know, they're a, a very decent test match side, and then India again at home, and then the Ashes. So you know he is going to be fully tested in the, in the year to come. I, I think it's it's really helpful for him though. Uh, to, to get off to a good start to the year, just get those. You know, he's made a few t- sort of adjustments in his game to get off to a good start and to you know have all that uh, behind him right at the start of the year to give you confidence, uh, you know, going on. But you know, there, it, you, you never know what's next for you in sport. Do you? you never know what's ar- around the corner? You can be, you know, riding high one day. You can be really, you know, really struggling the next. I remember, you know, David Gower once scored a a, a double hundred and a. A big hundred in, a, in an Ashes series back in 1985. It was the other way around for him. He, he couldn't get a run in the early part of the summer. I remember nicking off in a one-day international. You know, where was the next run coming from? And then suddenly there was a huge run glut. So you know it can turn around, can't it as well? So uh, it, that there's a, an awful lot of cricket to be played this year for Joe Root under quite a lot of pressure as well. Graham Gooch should be very happy with him that he's converted these hundreds into what he liked to call Big Daddy hundreds. And I, I just. I just love his his attitude that a couple of things that I'm sure also Gooch would have been impressed with was one, the the defence. Even in the last few minutes of the day, there was resolute block to a good ball. No, you know, kind of lazy, sort of slightly half-hearted defence, but absolutely resolute, rigid, get passes over my dead body kind of block. And also, the other thing that I thought was interesting about the way Gooch talked about approaching spin in our podcast yesterday was keeping the bowler guessing. Don't always sweep at the ball on leg stump or outside off if it's the off spinner. Don't always use the the approach of uh, you know, getting down the wicket or whatever. You know, mix up your approach. Sometimes defend the ball. Sometimes maybe premeditate. Root used, again, a huge variety of sweep shots, but he didn't play them every ball. And sometimes it was a switch hit even to to get the ball from outside the rough, outside the, the leg stump. And just such a range of shots there to, to undermine the bowler, to just distract him, to knock him off his length. Fantastic judgment of length as well. That's one thing that if you look back at the dismissals of both Dom Sibley and Zach Crawley, possibly misreading the length. Certainly Sibley did. He played back to a ball which he should have been forward to. Zach Crawley propped forward to a ball which he might have been able to play back to. So in a route very rarely caught in the wrong spot, either right back or right forward and nothing much in between. It takes a lot of practice and pinpoint sort of eyesight to be able to do that. And, and obviously nimble footwork as well. He played an incredible shot today as well. You talked about switching. He, he, at one point, he turned round to, to play a ball uh, left-handed. Basically, if you if you if you freeze the frame, he looked like a left-hander. And and what happened was, is the the ball wasn't there to play the shot that he wanted to play. You know, it, it has to be premeditated when you, you you play. You know, when you turn around and play a reverse sweep or a switch, it it has to be premeditated. It wasn't there, so he ended up cutting the ball like a left-hander to what. 
you know, ended up being short third man. It started off a short fine leg and he played a little cut shot because the ball wasn't there for the shot. I mean, I, I know, you know, he's got all these runs behind him and he's confident and everything, but that shows a, a really high degree of skill. And, well, it must have been so relieving for the Sri Lankans to, to see the back of him just before the close of play. The other, the other thing as well that was noticeable, it, it, it's only in cricket, it seems to me, when you, you can walk off disappointed after producing such a sublime exhibition of uh, your art. You know, so he gets 186, and he was really disappointed at the end. Uh, you know, you can you can understand it, totally understandable. But it, it it seems a bit unfair actually that you, as you trudge off at the end, you, you're sort of cursing because you're you're out in in a what you might consider to be a, a slightly unfortunate way. You know, to be run out twice in the series, for example, it would feel to him to be unfortunate. You know, you'd, you'd want the bowlers to get you out, but that's what happened. You you, you end up walking off, and you, you know, you sit in the dressing room. You'll see it later. You'll appreciate it later, but. You in the immediate aftermath, you know, you, you're cursing, and you can't imagine a, you can't imagine a striker in football scoring four goals, and then you know, in the as he walks off the field, if he's substituted with five minutes left, you know, cursing, thinking, oh, you know, what about the what about the one chance that I missed in the second minute? No, you you, you know, you you celebrate the four goals, don't you? But it, cricket is that sort of peculiar game; it's all, it can mess around with you a bit. Lassie Thembledenia. 41 overs, six maidens, 732. He's one to look out for in the future. A superb display of persistence and just subtle variety with his left arm spin. He's only mid-twenties. I notice he's from Royal College, which is the famous school in Colombo. There are two very famous private schools, Royal College and St Thomas's, and they have an annual match like Eaton and Harrow, uh, which is called the Royal Tomian. And actually, I was at the 100th Royal Tomian, which was way back, you know, 30 years ago. But it was an amazing event, uh, a, a three-day match between school teams, very high standard. And they do ha- have some tremendous grounding, the privileged schoolboys in Sri Lanka, at some of those very smart uh, private schools. They have incredible facilities. They go and play on test grounds. Uh, they have, you know, test match players as coaches, head coaches and so on. And he's obviously being well coached, Embledenia, in the art of left arm spin. I just love watching him bowl. Just little subtle changes of uh, trajectory or pace or length but maintaining that tremendous accuracy and totally deserving his seven wickets. He took a five for in his first test against South Africa in Durban, that famous test match where they won by one wicket when they you know, did what Ben Stokes did at Headingley when there was that brilliant innings in, in the last innings of the match on the chase from Kusil Pereira making 153 not out to absolutely stun South Africa. He made his debut in that game and took five wickets in the second innings. Uh, Sri Lanka needs someone like that, don't they, to, to come through. He's 24 years of age. You know, they, they need... Uh, they, their cricket needs it. They need some you know young stars, young talent. Uh, at the other end, of course, Pereira has gone wicketless. People talk about... Don Best not taking a wicket and Jack Leach not taking a wicket. This is a guy who's taken 160 test match wickets. He's very experienced. He's he's 38 years of age. Of course, he did well in the first innings as well, so he's got some confidence behind him. He, he got runs in the first innings, but he wasn't able to to make the breakthrough uh, today. So, you know, it, it, it can happen. And the, the pressure, the focus is going to be on now Jack Leach and Don Best in that second innings. Sometimes they talk about the third innings being that pressure innings in a test match. 
Well, it, it will be for a while, especially if Sri Lanka leaves some early wickets. Of course, I can see a situation where the pressure innings becomes the fourth innings if Sri Lanka get a decent enough lead you know, after their third innings is closed. They've got to make the running in the game. Uh, so, you know, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Pereira wasn't able to take a wicket. Leach hasn't been able to take a wicket. Bess hasn't been able to take a wicket. And there's Emil <laughs> Denyer. Well, no, no trouble at all. I'll, I'll have seven, thank you very much. And I want to just <laughs> shout out as well to Mendis. He did take his first wicket today, which is, which is great for him. First test wicket, getting rid of Butler in uh, slightly unusual circumstances where he w- went for a reverse sweep and hit the ball into his boot and it, and it bounced up. And what's great, of course, is the technology showed that it, it was out. And whereas, uh, yeah, I think, you know, without the technology we have today, the umpires would have been guessing a bit like that Wayne Phillips incident back at Edgbaston in, in 1985, for those of you who remember it. Your point about Embledenia's seven fur and the offspinner getting none, it's reminiscent of the great 1956 test in which Jim Legger got his 19 wickets and Tony Locke got one. And, you know, one would assume that Jim Legger bowled far more overs, but actually it's not the case. In the second innings of that test match, when Jim Legger got his 10 fur and Locke got none, they both bowled over 50 overs. And yet Laker got 10 and, you know, Locke got no wickets. So it's a fickle game, isn't it? But it's uh, intriguingly poised and, well, a lot of uh, work for both sides to do with two days remaining. It's anyone's guess uh, what the outcome will be. Let's hear from Graham Gooch, uh, who talked in our virtual cricket club uh, the other day. And, of course, one of the reasons we, we had him on was because he's been England's batting coach in the past, in the quite recent past. And one of the reasons he was England's batting coach is, of course, he was one of England's finest players. And he's probably played England's finest ever innings against a fast attack. It was 154 not out in the Headingley Test match of 1991. 154 not out out of an innings of 252, which was crucial in winning the game against a tremendous West Indies attack of Patrick Patterson, Kirtley Ambrose, Courtney Walsh and Malcolm Marshall. And he explains in this conversation we had with him how he approached that innings on a tricky headingly surface against that quality bowling attack. And he took inspiration from other sportsmen. I learned from the great Barry Richards. I tell this story often about him marking his line. OK, he marked his line at the crease, right? He, he, he along with the other Richards, are the te- best two players that I've seen. Viv Richards and Barry Richards. Different styles completely. But uh, Barry was a great sort of, technician of a player anyway he used to mark his line and then you know play and I said to him once um why do you keep marking your line because you've got like a big like you know right in the ground a bit like Jonathan Trott later used to mark and he said well I'm not marking the line because um because I I I need to know where to stand with my feet I'm marking my line that's the my way of drawing the line under the previous ball and that's what you have to do in all sports. And one of my favourite sportsmen now is, is Rafa Nadal. And that's not because he's, I think he's better than Federer or any of those guys. You know, he plays every point like it's the only point. And that's the way to, I think, go as a sportsman. So you, as, a, as a batsman, you draw a line under the previous ball and the, and the next one is the game. That one ball is the game. So if it's there to hit, I'm going to hit it. If I leave it or do whatever, I will deal with that ball. I will draw a line under it and then I will move on to the next ball. OK, so in the contents of that innings, it was just deal with every ball. And, it, and if they overpitched or bowled me short ball, you know, I'll go for my shots. OK, 
because as a batsman or run maker, as I like to call it when I was coaching, um, you are responsible for scoring runs. You're not just there to occupy the crease. Your first thought is score runs because that gives you the right frame of mind. And then from there, if the ball's not there to hit or not in the right spot, then you cover up or leave the ball. That's the second option. But you're always going to have that positive thought. It, I think it's a big mistake if you go out there thinking they're not going to get me out. And every batsman's done this. They're not going to get me out. I'm not going to make a mistake. I'm just going to stick in. Because what happens is you become a bit negative, your feet don't move so well, and you miss the opportunities to score. So you've always got to be thinking that I'm going to score runs. And also, it is another stone in my shoe for me. I like to see batsmen who are confident, little bit of arrogance. And I learned from watching people like Viv Richards look the bowler in the eye, show him he's up for a contest, engage in a bit of sledging if you want to. And I sometimes, in a famous Middlesex match at Upsbridge, I, I instigated the sledging because I wasn't feeling great and I wasn't feeling, I wasn't feeling up to my normal self. You know, something was wrong. So I started to sledge the bowler, trying to get myself in the, in, the, in the right frame of mind, and it worked, you know. So what I'm saying is, I think when you're on your own against the other 11, right, you've got your partner, you have got to, you know, show confidence. You have got to show good body language. You have got to show them that, you know, give me your best and let's see what happens, okay? So I think you have to challenge yourself against the best. And it's a mistake, I think, for a... A batsman in particular and a sportsman to say, uh, you know, Curtly Ambrose is not playing today. That's great. It's good for our side. I, I never wanted that. I always wanted to play against the best because part of part of sport is challenging yourself against the best players. Because if you do that, again, it creates the right frame of mind and environment for you. You know, you don't want to be avoided avoid the contest why would you want to do that you talk very passionately about the game and i mean you've done, you've done a lot of coaching as well you coached alistair cook goodness me you know goodness knows for, for how many years you helped him you england batting coach how does coaching compare to playing people say oh it's, you know playing is the ultimate and coaching is you know something you perhaps have to do because you can't play anymore how, how did you see the balance between the two of those I, I enjoyed the coaching a lot but it's nothing like playing it's nothing like something to aim for because I think in coaching, there's a line you can't cross. You can impart your knowledge and information to somebody, and I'll come to that in a second. But at the end of the day, it's down to them. You know, they're the player. You're, they're responsible for their performance. They're responsible for their development. And they're responsible for helping other people as well. Not you, the coach. You know, it's, it, it's their career. They have to take it on board. So... It's a good thing to do and, and, and it's very, very rewarding when things go right. The downside is that if it doesn't go right, it's not one person's misery you've got. You feel it for all of them. You feel responsible for all of them. It's sometimes hard to come to terms with. Now, when I was a player and a captain, one of the big, one of the big criticisms of my captaincy and my character, which is quite right, is I, I expected everybody to put in the same level of effort as I did, you know, sacrifices, you know, training when you didn't have to, putting in the hours, all those sort of things. I got a bit irritable if they didn't, which was a mistake, really, because everyone's individual and they give it their best and that, that's the way it is. If I coach Alistair Cook, I try and give Alistair 
the options, okay? I talk to him, it's a two-way conversation, not a one-way street. I'm not, it's not just the coach telling the performer what to do, okay? You, you discuss options, what you think will make him a better player, whether it's tactically, technically, fitness, mentally, anything, anything that might make him a better player. We used to play badminton at the end before we practice, right? Why do we play badminton? Badminton's the best sport for batsmen. Because if you look at all the movements in badminton, you're watching the shuttlecock, you're moving from side to side, you're placing your feet, okay, on the balls of your feet, and you are moving backwards and forwards, the same as a batsman does at a crease, right? Not, not to the degree in the distance, but those little tiny movements where you're adjusting your feet. So it's brilliant for, for batsmen because you've got to be on your balls, your feet. You want to play late, but you want to adjust your feet. So you give the player options. It's not your job to play for him. It's his job to look at what you're saying, look at your ideas and say, yes, I can do that. that. That will enhance my game. But no, I can't do that. I don't fancy that. I don't think I can. that's going to help me. I'll put that to one side. I'll be in that. It's not that it's bad information just doesn't work for you and the trick is for a performer is to work out what's good for you and what's not good for you because if you take every ounce of uh, information generally what happens is you become confused well the trouble is I suppose with that is that it's all right if you're experienced but not if you're young because you're not sure what you're good at true but you have to learn don't you you know mm. the, as, as I say the best yeah. piece of co coaching advice I could give any player you know what that is? What do you think that would be? Prepare to, if you fail to prepare, you, you prepare to fail. That's not bad, but a bit better than that. Think your for own, yourself. I was think say, make your, for yourself. Yeah, make your own decisions, yeah. Think for yourself. When you go across that white line as a bowler, think for yourself as a batsman. No coach can help you. You can't come back to the laptop at half-time or lunch and look at that and get someone and say, oh, look, what's going wrong? You've got to have it in your head. All sports, and particularly cricket, is a fabulous sport because as a bowler, you've got to change your style, you know, from over to over, batsman to batsman. When the ball gets a bit older, you've got to change it. Ken, like, like, like Stuart Broad, to learn, you know, to bowl the cutters, you know, on, on wickets, you know, bowl the cross seam, go round the wicket, all those things. As a batsman, how can I give an example? Michael Holding takes the new ball at Old Trafford, and I, I make... I make my decision before I've even played a ball. If he bump, bump, bounces me, am I going to hook him or not? I've made that decision before the bouncer comes. I've worked that out. Probably I'll be saying, if he bumps me, I'm getting out of the way. Okay, I'm swaying, I'm ducking, I'm watching the ball, but I'm not taking it on. If I'm 50 not out, maybe I'm readjusting that plan. If he bumps me now, I'm going for it. I don't understand players when they say, I'll wait to see the short ball come in and then I'll make a decision. You're kidding me, aren't you? So I'm bowling at 90 mile an hour. You've got to be... One thing a player has to be, a run maker, is decisive. I don't see how that's decisive if you're making a decision in a split second. I got 100 at Colchester once against Courtney Walsh. It went on for about an hour, OK? He bumped me, hooked him, bumped me again, hooked him, put a man back. Then I ducked him. A couple of overs kept ducking. Then he brought the man up and thought, OK, here we go. Hooked him again Four went on for about an hour. Man kept coming in and out. Every time he bumped me with the man back, I got out of the way. 
every time I brought him up, I thought, oh, that's good value. I'll go for it. I don't, I don't understand. Okay, so I might as well get all my stones in the shoe out of the way. Okay. <laughs> you know, I like Kevin Peterson. I got on with him pretty well. He's a brilliant, brilliant player, right? Box office player. I don't quite understand the, this is the way I play, right? Great players play the situation, not the occasion. Okay. And okay, uh, yeah, this, is how, this is how my mind thinks when I'm batting. If you put two men back for a hook, how much will you pay, Simon, for that wicket? What do you how mean, pay? How many runs would you pay? How many runs would you pay for it? 12? 12. So if you hit three fours and the fourth one up in the air, you think that's yeah. good value. Yeah, yeah. So what I say to that is, if I'm hooking with two men back, I'm hooking on your terms, not mine. So I'm not having any of that. Do you understand where I'm coming mm -hmm. from? Yeah. You're hooking on his terms because he, he's happy to pay for it. Simple. Mm. And and then so that applies to say that ridiculous shot he played in in Perth um, in the ashes of when it, whenever it was 2012 when he got caught a long on. Yeah, we, we had a little contretemps after that, Go on, which then. is well documented. Yeah. Uh, basically, I'll give you the short version. Okay, so we, it came off. I mean, you've got to remember Kevin has been a brilliant player, and uh, well, you, you you do remember then that he got caught. I think in, in the wicket. covers. In the first test, then he got caught on the hook, and then yep. somewhere else he got caught. Well, put it like this: he got caught in a ring quite a lot, and then when he hit it down, Lyons, or I can't remember who was kept fielding, but I think Lyons was probably bowling. We all came to the balcony at Perth, right? There was Andy Flower, me, Alistair Cook, and Kevin, and I, I, I sort of lost the plot a little bit. Then I turned to Kevin and I just sort of said. Oh, you know, what are you doing? You know, you, you're a great player. You know, we're fighting for our lives. I can't get my exact words, but uh, I wasn't best impressed. I just couldn't let it go. And I unloaded on him. And then Alistair was sitting next to him, right? And I turned to him and I said, you, I said, you should be telling him this, not me. You should be telling him. I mean, look, I, I got on with him well. He got 60-odd in the next match and he didn't play well. But look, he was a brilliant player and I, I would never criticise exactly the way he played because of his careers, you know, unparalleled. And he's box office and people love watching him. If I said to you, what's the difference between scoring 100 and making 100? You tell me. Well, making sounds like you've created it. You've fashioned it. Scoring for 100 for me means that this day all goes right for me. Okay. It all falls into place. Okay. Penny in the slot, away we go. Making 100 is when you have to think it out, like Joe did in the first innings of Gaul. You have to work for it. It's not going to come easy. You have to use all your skills of patience, ability, shot selection. It's a different type of innings. Okay. And he did that. And, and Dan Lawrence did that to, to a degree as well. And it's much more satisfying. And, and that's what you have to do, as, in my opinion, as, as a great player. You, you've got to be adaptable. And there's a lot of talk about T20 and test matches. You can't compare the innings that Joe Root played with T20. T20's great. You know, they smash the ball out the ground. They put it 20, 30 rows back. Every game, the style of the game, the, the, the scores might vary between 140 and 220, okay? Mm. Yeah. But every style of the game, tell me if I'm wrong, is exactly the same. They go out there to try and score 10, 12 and over, okay? And they sacrifice wickets. I'm not complaining about it. It's just the style it is. By the way, Graham Gooch was talking in our virtual cricket club. And this Thursday, the 28th of January, we have 
uh, an all-women's cricket special with Tammy Beaumont and Heather Knight joining us. And the following week, the 4th of February, we have Ian Botham doing a little bit about his wine, as well as also looking back to that epic series of 1981, 40 years on. You can join us at the Virtual Cricket Club by going to worldsbestcricketclub.com worldsbestcricketclub.com please join us because we're raising money for the professional cricketers trust and it really is a worthwhile cause okay yours two days left in this test match how do you see it going england are 42 runs behind with one first innings wicket in hand how's it going to play out do you think i think sri lanka on top that they're going to have a lead of 30 i can't see the last pair of england getting getting many runs so 30 to 40 lead for Sri Lanka, that's quite a, a significant lead given that England have to bat last. Uh, the pitch is going to be uh, a real Bunsen burner by the end. So if Sri Lanka can get 200 more themselves, 240 to win, I, I don't see England making that. And it, then it depends whether they can bat out the time. So uh, the, the one thing is I don't see England winning this test match. But they could still save it and win the series. What do you think? I think all four results are still possible. I agree with you. I think my my hunch is that England will be batting to save the game in the last session of the match. That that's that's my feeling. Uh, and if that's the case, it will be riveting, exciting. The ball will be spinning. The umpires will be called on to make decisions, and you know England will be sweating in the heat of gall. And you know the light might be fading as well. And you know we're looking at the overs left and all sorts of things like that. So you know one of those situations. The, the pitch is is slow, um, but it is spinning. And it, 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 it promises to be a really interesting uh, last couple of days. Of course, the other, the other scenario, and the one that England would be hoping, they can get, say, 20 more tomorrow and then really squeeze Sri Lanka and only be chasing, I say only, only be chasing 180, 200. Even that, I don't think, will be straightforward. And it, they might require another scintillating, highly skillful uh, innings from Joe Root. Can he, could he go to the well again? <laughs> he's, 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 he's been right down to the bottom of it and taken every ounce of water uh, so far. It's a question of whether it's been, it will be replenished in the next couple of days. Anyway, it's, it, it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant cricket. It's, it's all slow-burning cricket, but it, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, it absolutely is. And we'll be looking back at the fourth day's play this time tomorrow. Look forward to speaking to you then. Goodbye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.